0: Welcome, friends, to another episode of Quest For You, the podcast that takes you on a journey to your highest potential. We're nearing 500 episodes. Can you believe it? I can't. I can't figure out when I did all this work. Think about, then write, edit, and record all those episodes. I was already pretty busy prior to starting this podcast. But now, looking back, I don't think... I was that busy, or I wasn't busy with the right things. How else would I have been able to fit so much extra work into my life? On this podcast, I give you the simple strategies that I have implemented and that have helped me not only to squeeze more into my day, because it's not about squeezing, it's about finding the right activities for your day and eliminating the wrong ones. So I'm glad. You are here. I'm excited you tuned in, and I hope you find this podcast helpful in achieving your goals and finding what gives you purpose and letting go of the things that don't support you on your quest for your best self. And if you find this podcast helpful, and many of my listeners tell me they do, then I would like to ask you to please share it with someone else in your life a friend, maybe your spouse a co-worker, the stranger on the bus that you see every morning while you're working on being more open and taking more risks, you can share my podcast with this stranger because it makes for an easy conversation starter. If you like the content that I'm sharing, you bet someone else in your life will like it as well because we all want to make the most of our lives and this is why I'm here and this is what I want to help you with and you can also share my podcast on Instagram and then if I see you tag me I will tag you back Janine underscore QFY but let's get to today's episode this weekend was the first weekend in a long time that the weather interfered with my plans the cold season is knocking and it caught me by surprise All my stuff was already packed for my first ever backpacking trip in Yosemite. I had agreed to a new challenge. To hiking with a 50- to 60-pound pack and spending the night somewhere in the middle of nowhere. It was supposed to be an easy three-mile hike at high elevation, though, but I was ready. I've hiked longer than that. I've hiked steeper and at higher elevation. I've hiked with climbing gear and a rope on my back. But I've always come back to a tent or a car to sleep. I never had to carry sleeping gear and food. But I realized backpacking is part of training. As I'm climbing more strenuous alpine routes, as I have this year, with long hikes in and out. And as I dream more and more about big wall climbs where you spend a night or more on the side of a mountain. I need to get comfortable with the idea of carrying everything I need with me, not just for a day, but for several days. A new challenge. And as you will learn, if you listen regularly to this podcast, this is how we grow. Sure, we can learn by taking classes and reading books and listening to podcasts. I have learned a lot like this. I call this safe learning. At home, in your comfortable chair with the heater on like I have when I was writing this episode, because the cold front that moved in that last weekend cancelled my first ever backpacking trip. Not because of the 30% chance of snow the weather forecast was predicting at 8,000 feet of elevation, but because of road closures in Yosemite. And without a road, it's hard to get to and from places. I had plenty of warm clothes packed and I was ready for a windy and cold night. But alas, someone thought it might not be my weekend. So here I am at home. I woke up and instead of getting up, I read. I read the book that I've been carrying with me all summer. A short book, not hard to read. It came along with me on every overnight climbing trip because surely I thought, and mistakenly every single time, That when I end my climbing day around six, hop in a lake or river somewhere to shower, eat something and then lay down between 8 and 9 p.m. because it gets dark and there isn't much else to do, I figured I have plenty of time to read. Well, you can tell how this worked out based on the fact that I'm still reading a 237-page book. My library already sent me an overdue notice, so tomorrow morning I will turn it in. Of course, after I finish it first. But as I read this morning, cozy and lazy in my bed from 7 to 8, instead of being outside somewhere in the cold, trying to heat water for tea, I read a chapter that I want to share with you. And I have shared from this book before, in episode 472, titled Your Terrible First Effort. I shared an excerpt from Anne Lamotte's book called Bird by Bird. A book about writing, but even more so, on good advice for life. I'm not an aspiring book writer, but I write my podcast episodes. My climbing partner has a blog. You probably have a social media account. We all write at some point, even if it's just a sentence underneath our pretty Instagram picture. And even if you're not writing, you're possibly creating other content. Maybe you garden, or you do pottery or jewelry like I used to do writer's block. Today's topic doesn't just affect writers. Sometimes we are just stuck in our lives. We want to do more. We have aspirations and ideas and we want to implement them. But we somehow can't find a way to get started. I specifically thought of my climbing partner when I read this chapter. We have taken so many wonderful trips together all summer and he took tons of pictures on each one but he hasn't written about any of them on his blog. When I asked him about it a while back, the answer was the usual answer we all give, the one four-letter word that comes easiest to us. Time. We blame time for everything. Time and probably money right after that. But then I asked again last week, and he said something I didn't expect. Writer's blog. Hmm. I thought to myself, and I didn't respond because sometimes it takes me a while to percolate an appropriate answer. Well, the answer came to me today, in bed, when I was reading the chapter on writer's block, where Lamotte says this. The word block suggests that you are constipated or stuck, when the truth is that you're empty. And as I said in the last chapter, this emptiness can destroy some writer's as to the shame and frustration that go with it. You feel that the writing gods gave you just so many good days, maybe even enough of them to write one good book and then part of another. But now you're having some days or weeks of emptiness, as if suddenly the writing gods are saying, enough, don't bother me, I've given to you until it hurts. Please, I've got problems of my own. The problem is acceptance, which is something we're taught not to do. We're taught to improve uncomfortable situations, to change things, alleviate unpleasant feelings. But if you accept the reality that you have been given, that you are not in a productive creative period, you free yourself to begin filling up again. I encourage my students at times like these to get one page of anything written. 300 words of memories or dreams or streams of consciousness on how much they hate writing. Just for the hell of it. Just to keep their fingers from becoming too arthritic. Just because they have made a commitment to try to write 300 words every day. Then, on bad days and weeks, let things go at that. It begins with acceptance, my friends. You see, I think we lose a lot of valuable time with our creative endeavors because we ignore our so-called writer's block. But when we ignore something, or resist it, or refuse to acknowledge it, it gets pushed in the background and it never gets addressed. If we have a desire to create, then we have to keep it present in our minds. And if creating becomes challenging, then we face the situation as it is. Last weekend, I struggled climbing. We climbed routes that were rated easy, yet it was so hard for me to finish them. This week, in the gym, I still carried my frustration from the weekend and I honestly didn't feel like climbing. But I did and I started with very easy routes. I faced my fear, my failure, and I eased it by getting on easy stuff. Lamotte continues. I remind myself nearly every day of something that a doctor told me six months before my friend Pammy died. This was a doctor who always gave me straight answers. When I called on this one particular night, I was hoping she would put a positive slant on some distressing developments. She couldn't, but she said something that changed my life. Watch her carefully now, she said, because she's teaching you how to live. I remind myself of this when I cannot get any work done. To live as if I'm dying. Because the truth is we're all terminal on this bus. To live as if we're dying gives us a chance to experience some real presence. Time is so full for people who are dying in a conscious way. Full in the way that life is for children. They spend big round hours So instead of staring miserably at the computer screen, trying to will my way into having a breakthrough, I say to myself, Okay, hmm, let's see, dying tomorrow, what should I do today? Then I can decide to read Wallace Stevens for the rest of the morning or go to the beach or just really participate in ordinary life. Any of these will begin the process of filling me back up observations, flavors, ideas, visions, memories. I might want to write on my last day on earth, but I'd also be aware of other options that would feel, at least, as pressing. I would want to keep whatever I did simple, I think. And I would want to be present. The key word here is presence. Staying present with our goal is important. When it gets ignored, excused with things like, oh, I have writer's block it also moves down on the list of priorities. Don't let that happen. It's harder to do when your livelihood depends on it, like it does for full-time authors. But it's much easier to do for most of us, who have full lives, and then we want to squeeze something else in, like a podcast, a blog, training for a marathon, or whatever your goal may be. I have considered giving climbing up. I love it, but I'm also not that great at it to get really good, which is something I want, which would give me motivation to continue, I would need to climb more frequently than I can. But I decided that I will focus on the small improvements I can make every time I climb. Instead of hoping that from one week into the next, I can suddenly zip through chimneys and climb over huge roofs, I focus on the small steps, like my footwork, my balance, climbing efficiently without expending so much energy. I'm staying present with my task. If you feel you're stuck, stay with it. Figure out what you can learn from this. In the previous section, Lamotte shared how she encourages her students to write about being stuck and what it feels like. This is staying present. I climbed easy routes on Thursday. On days where absolutely no topic comes to my mind for a podcast episode, I share other people's work. Stay with your goal. When we create something of our own, we need a lot of energy. I like to call it fuel. Writers need ideas to put on paper. Athletes need strength to push through their workouts. Photographers and other artists require inspiration, material, the right conditions. Sometimes the fuel is just not there. Writers block. Accept it, but don't give up. Don't push it away. Don't excuse it. Stay with it. It is just a need. For more fuel. If this is your calling, your goal, your passion, your dream, then you will find fuel. The question she poses, what if today was your last day, is a way to fuel you. It makes you prioritize that which you are most passionate about at the moment. This morning I wanted to go run, but a 10 mile hike tired me out, so I read Do what resonates with you at the moment, and it may be the opposite of whatever your craft is. But my encouragement here is this, don't use it as an escape, use it as fuel. It is easy to get lost in weekend after weekend of going away, climbing, hiking and then returning to work, getting through the week and then getting out as quickly as possible. I feel often that is me. I then have to catch myself and remind myself of my main purpose. To create, to write and record content, to craft speeches that inspire others and to make the time for that. Lamotte suggests ways you can find fuel in the section I just read. Read, go to the beach, or simply participate in your ordinary life. I did all three this past weekend. I hiked along the beach at Point Reyes since the backpacking trip was cancelled. I read this morning, and I did ordinary stuff like making my bed, bringing my apartment back into order, cooking dinner, doing laundry. All three things together inspired me to sit down and write this episode. How do you think I come up with so much content? I allow life to fill me up. Do the same. If you're stuck, find activities that inspire you. But be careful to not get distracted. Stay present with your goal. Yesterday, on my hike, I thought very deliberately about next steps for my speaking career. Keep your goal in the back of your mind and when you are refreshed and ready to roll, ideas will come out of you. My trips near and far always inspire me. They give me content for my episodes, for my speeches and for next steps. But I have to make the time for it. Writer's block is temporary. Don't hide behind it. Accept it and stay present with it like a sick relative. And one last tip that is not in the book. This always helps me get back to my quest And that is when I remember my audience. I think of all the people that may find help, encouragement and motivation in my episodes. I focus on them instead of myself. I think about how much they might need to hear from me. How just a few of my tips might make a difference in their lives. And this then brings me back to my laptop because I feel inspired to continue. Think about the difference your work could make in someone's life how it might help others on their journey. And let that solve your writer's block. Because in the end, the purpose we create is really to improve the lives of others. I want to end with a few more lines from this chapter. All good stories are out there waiting to be told in a fresh, wild way. Mark Twain said that Adam was the only man who, when he said a good thing, knew that nobody had said it before. Life is like a recycling center, where all the concerns and dramas of humankind get recycled back and forth across the universe. But what you have to offer is your own sensibility, maybe your own sense of humor or insider pathos or meaning. All of us can sing the same song and there will still be 4 billion different renditions. Some people will sing it spontaneously, with a lot of soulful riffs, while others are going to practice until they could sing it all at the mat. Either way, everything we need in order to tell our stories in a reasonable and exciting way already exists in each of us. Everything you need is in your head and memories, in all that your senses provide, in all that you've seen and thought and absorbed. There in your consciousness, where the real creation goes on, is the little kid or the Dr. Seuss creature in the cellar, arranging and stitching things together. When this being is ready to hand things up to you, to give you a paragraph or a sudden move one character makes that will change the whole course of your novel, you will be entrusted with it. So in the meantime, while the tailor is working, You might as well go get some fresh air do your 300 words and then go for a walk otherwise you'll want to sit there and try to contribute and this will only get in the way your unconscious can't work when you are breathing down its neck you'll sit there going are you done in there yet are you done in there yet but it is trying to tell you nicely shut up don't forget to share this episode with someone close to you much love my friends